Howdy all, this is Bob Nightingale, America's so-called sweetheart. He says what Liam says. I'm not sure about that, but you listen to Pod and Lansdowne. It's funny you ask how you sound, because I was literally just about to start this recording by saying that you sound like the pitched-down version of uh, Papa John when you saying I, I've had over 40 pizzas in the last 30 days. That's kind of what you sound like right now. Yeah, I, I, I imagine I, I sound great. Um, <laughs> so so uh, to our beautiful listeners, I'll, I'll do my best to, to turn off the mic if I have to sneeze or anything, but um, I have been horribly under the weather for the past 48 hours now. Your flu game. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, d- I do it for our beautiful listeners. That's what gets and, and- me out of bed. Any idea of what uh, what gave you the bug? Have you done like a COVID I, test? What's going on here? No, I haven't done a COVID test yet. Um, but I just I went to bed Monday night. Um, there was some post nasal drippage <laughs> happening, which sounds disgusting. Um, yeah, just a and little then, drop here and there. You kind of Tuesday Tuesday woke up, had a fever all day. Um, was absolutely miserable. I think, quite honestly. Um, no hyperbole. Maybe the worst fever I've ever had was like in hell. I was strapped in. Um, saw God. Uh, <laughs> and that's literally uh, like having like, fever dreams. You're like your limbs get what, restless. It feels like you're on pins and needles. You're hot, but you're also cold at the same time. It's an awful, awful feeling. It I do was, not envy you. It was terrible, but uh, I don't know. I think the, the worst is behind us, so we can only go up from here. Again, that is Welcome Martin Maldonado, a.k.a. Liam, our, our brave soldier of God here. I am Dick Fitz, a.k.a. Fitz, with a dick. Who would have known? Here, uh, we are Jake-less this episode. Jake unable to make it on this episode of Pot on Lansdowne, but you listening... You were able to make it, so we appreciate you being here uh, on this pretty big edition of Pod on Lansdowne. We actually have some baseball news to talk about, Liam, believe it or not. Yeah, I mean, why why even beat around the bush at this point? Let's let's just get right into it. I was hoping that, like, a joke first news thing was going to hop into my head. Welcome, welcome Isaiah Campbell. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Liam. (laughs) There you go. Pick it up on the bed from there. No, Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo, we hardly knew you. Hardly knew ye. That's going to be the meat and potatoes of this episode. And we have a special guest later on in the program. Emily Nyman, friend of the program, Yankees fan, here to give you the Yankees perspective of this deal for one Alex Verdugo. But let's start with the Red Sox side of the deal. Three pitchers going back to the Boston Red Sox. Dick Fitz, Richard Fitz, Dick Fitz. uh, And then I forget the other two guys' names off the top of my head. Liam. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the other two off the top of my head either. I guess came very prepared. Um, it which sucks. I, 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 just I, had, say, I just had. I, I just had it for the Emily interview. God damn it! I can't find it. <laughs> I, I will say just like as a as a broad overview of the deal before we get into it. Really, um, I don't know. It, it it feels like a win win for both sides, especially on the Red Sox side. I know the the radio heads already today. Um, shout out Tony Maz. Uh, are like, oh, oh, well, you got rid of a major league outfielder. Like, the writing was on the wall. Verdugo was not going to be on this team. It's exactly what I day. told Emily. Yeah. So <laughs> the the fact that you got anything of value, especially in an area where the organization needed depth, um, minor league pitching, like, 
to me, that's a win. Um, Verdugo at this point, we know what his ceiling is, and that's you know slightly above a hundred plus OPS with good defense. Um, when he's at his best, uh, God, I loved him. Uh, Things are great when it was good. Yeah. I I I personally own an Alex Verdugo jersey, so I will always defend him. But I think by the time we got to midseason last year, and you you had the disciplinary issues and then the bat just completely fell off in the second half. Um, I think that was just kind of it. Like it, it had run its course um, for better or worse. You know, one thing we can hang our hats on two more postseason RBIs than Mookie Betts in a Red Sox uniform. Makes you so. think so. Who won the deal? It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to say impossible who did or did tell. not. Right. So uh, I got the names here finally for uh, the, the pitchers alongside Dickie Fitz, who we will be abusing that nickname. Uh, we will be running it into a ground into the ground as long as he is a member of the organization. But Greg Weissert and Nicholas Judas literally traded for Judas uh, right before Christmas. Liam, that's crazy. Makes you think. Very, very insensitive of the Boston Red Sox organization to do that. But no, I mean, and I don't want to give away too much of our conversation with Emily when we were kind of talking about the Red Sox and the Yankees perspective of this. Uh, you'll hear that a little bit later in the program, but you you said it there. It had sort of run its course. When he was on, Alex Verdugo was very fun to watch. Great, you know, teammate, seemed like a good, like, energy, sparky kind of guy. Um, but take that out of it, take the appreciation from out of that. And I understand like, you know, there's some people have really grown to love Alex Verdugo. He kind of became a fan favorite to some during his time here. Um, in, which by the way, his time here started with a situation completely out of his control. I mean, being the major piece uh, for the Mookie Betts return, I don't envy him for, you know, having to deal with that. You know what I mean? Um, but he just never really, he never really took that next step into being like a consistently like, oh, this is a really strong, sturdy, you know, part of the lineup. You saw it in flashes, especially the first half of 23. You thought, oh, man, this guy's playing for an extension. He might be here for a bit. Um, the defense got better in 23. Uh, but then you go ahead and look at his offensive numbers. And what jumps out is the fact that the last four years, his four years in Boston, OPS plus has dropped in all four of them. 123 during the short year. Okay, fine. Went down to 107 and 21, 777 straight up OPS. Okay, sure. Then that OPS drops down to 102. Then it's league average 100. You know, he had the tools, like at least, you know, the contact tool you thought at times to be able to, you know, consistently be, you know, I don't know, like a 115 OPS plus kind of a guy, which is a, a good improvement over a guy who's just, you know, 100. You know what I mean? You could kind of squint your eyes and see, okay, in the future, you know, maybe he has a career in Boston, he'll beat a better offensive player, just never, never really took that next step, kind of stayed there, and look, you know, he's coming in the last year of his contract, he's about to be, what, 28 years old? It's be, he's yeah, not, it's age 28 season. He's not a hopeful sort of a project anymore, you know what I mean? He's damn near 30 years old at this point. You're right. It, it just did run its course. I'm happy for the, you know, solid memories he did provide us. He had some big moments, very clutch player at time. You know what I mean? He, he was not afraid of the bright lights when he was standing up to the plate. But then on the flip side of it, you know, some of the stuff off the field with, you know, questions about the maturity and whatnot, it, it just, it never really came 
together and maybe it's just best for all parties to separate and that's what happened i i will say this and and you bring up a good point like in the big spots he he had that he had that dog in him he had the juice he did to be quite frankly um and that is something i don't think a lot of the position players at the very least that the red sox currently have um i don't know that they have that in them because I mean, you had the wild card game. I think Verdugo had what three RBIs in that game. Yep. Um, like I said, two more postseason RBIs than Mookie in a Red Sox uniform. <laughs> you had he showed up big in Game 162 in DC um, before Devers. That's he tied right. the game before Devers took the lead. And you know, you had the Yankees walk off in 22. You had the two walk offs. I think it was like late May last year. Like. That Minnesota one, yeah, yeah, the Minnesota one, then um, Romero uh, against Please the Blue be fucking Jays. fair. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I mean, he he had the juice, so like it was easy to love him when he's showing up in those big moments. But I mean, you have to take the off the field stuff into account, and even even without the off the field stuff, but like we said, like production wise, we we kind of you know what you're getting at this point, and I think where the Red Sox are especially with how left-handed heavy the team already is like you, you need some bats with, with higher upside at this point. Um, so the outfields with all those left-handed bats is kind of redundant. And for a guy with one year left with, you know, issues with Cora for better or worse, like it just, it, it makes sense. Who sent the tweet from the podcast account at Pod on Lansdowne, by the way? Uh, just saw Cora at the winter meetings. He was doing Bathlick. <laughs> I think that had to have been Jake. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was no secret that their relationship had, uh, what's the word? It had um, maybe soured a bit. How about that? Maybe not full yeah, on sour, I mean, but you know. So, I mean, something, something Cora said when he was speaking to the media, which like, I don't know how much insight you can get from it, but I thought it was interesting was like, he taught me a lot about like how to be a manager. And he was like, I learned a lot from being his manager. And I think, I don't know. They, they've talked about their kids being like, yeah, like several times. So like, they they seem like, you know, friendly enough, like in in an atmosphere outside of the clubhouse, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I don't, I don't really think there's, legitimate bad blood there yeah not animosity think, you know? right it's it was just kind of like like how much longer can we can we do this, this yeah keep it up forth? in a professional setting exactly yeah and again so. it, it may just be better you know for everyone to just sort of turn the page on it we don't have to re- keep relitigating the return of the Mookie Betts trade like that's official I, was- I mean Connor Wong's still there but you know Connor Wong, 2024 All-Star. Could you imagine? Here first. Yeah. <laughs> Restart. <laughs> I will the, say uh... the, the Verdugo welcome back video is, is going to go hard with all those big moments in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah it's going to be a highlight reel for a reason because there were some there were some. The highs lights. were high. The highs were high. The lows were low. Yeah. But the, after the 18th time, he makes a boneheaded, you know, base running mistake. You know, he kind of grounds, okay. grounds to second base. <laughs> yeah, God, don't get me started. So, um, I mean, Santi tweeted it like if there was one word to describe the Alex Verdugo tenure here in Boston, what would it be? What would you say? Oh, that's a great question. I have I, I haven't seen Santi's tweet. Um, I think I he know. said I think um, he said underwhelming. 
Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the the first word that came to mind was like hopeful. Like there was so much it felt like there was so much upside there and we saw it. Yeah. Um when it never came together, really. Yeah, consistent uh, for a full yeah. season. Um so yeah, I mean, I guess underwhelming is a good word. I don't want to say it was like completely underwhelming be- because of the big moments he had and like I mean, Christ, he was he was in the lineup practically every day, you know, 53 games yeah. in the COVID season. And there's something, there's, something to, there's something to be said about that, you know, sometimes right. the best ability is availability. Uh, and again, it, it's not not that like he was like bad. I mean, he was bad towards the end of the season at the plate, you know what I mean? But as a player, it's just always been sort of solid. But, you know, it's we, we wanted a little bit more than solid um, from him, I guess. I, I guess I, yeah, I would just say it. It 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 left a little to be desired. That's all. I think, and that's my... not one word, but <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's the uh, Charles Barkley. Uh... <laughs> Three words. Like... <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and he says like Jason Kidd and Chris Paul must see TV. It's <laughs> so good. I think my word would be um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I mean that too. Yeah, I mean, Alex like, Verdugo era. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean it I think it, it I feel completely different probably if, if the second half of this past season, like like the recency bias definitely yeah. <laughs> helps. It makes it a lot easier. Um but uh yeah, I don't know. I mean he wasn't gonna be on the team on opening day. Um that's the thing. It had run its course. It had run its course. I mean, I it, don't know. I don't think there's – if you're a Red Sox fan and you're, like, distraught or, or bereft over this over this news. Crestfallen. Yeah. I would say you probably didn't watch the second half of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. No, no one will blame you, right? Yeah. I mean, we're the sickos. We watch every night regardless. But – uh yeah, the second half of 23 was tough. Even the second half of 22. Um, so, is what it is. That's that's my other one word. <laughs> <laughs> you combine must see TV. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a eh, it wasn't like a eh, it was a eh. yeah. Like, I was you, that, eh. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That Talking well that well that happened. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was the thing. In 20 years, he'll get a nice little applause. Maybe not a standing ovation, but a nice applause when he's the Fenway legend of the game. You know, middle of the fourth inning or something like that. They show, you know, Red Sox legends, and he's up in the, you know, the State Street Pavilion with his fam. You know, he waves to the camera. Please welcome back, Alex Verdugo. Then my kids are going to say, who is that? And I'll be like, ah, oh, you know, he's a pretty good player. Yeah, he, he, has, he has moments. Yeah. <laughs> he was the guy we traded Mookie Betts for. Which oh, yeah, I mean, that, not not for his fault. That's that's how he'll be remembered by a majority of fans. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I think for the the situation he came into, and like that being thrown on top of his thrown into his lap, really, like uh, you you'd be hard pressed to to do much worse than that. If that makes sense, like uh, that's a fair point. I, I would say with with the personality he played every day, the defense was really good. In right field at Fenway, which is exceptionally hard. Um, to me, to me, it's it's a win for him at the very least. Like, you can't really say he sucked or, like, I mean, people will be like, oh, he wasn't worth it. Well, no one's really worth Mookie Betts. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, 
So in that sense, I think he made the most of the situation. I think the off the field stuff definitely hurt him, but you can't be like, ah, it was, it was a total loss. Like we got nothing for Mookie Betts. Yeah. Um, like Verdugo was a very fine everyday player um, for the Boston Red Sox. And that's and, kind and, of, I mean, that that's kind of what you hope for at the very least. Like, yeah. you know, and now Connor Wong is presumably your, your everyday starter in 24. So it's like, uh, are you forgetting Martin Maldonado? Liam, no, your name's not confirmed, not confirmed. Allegedly. All, all but allegedly. confirmed. <laughs> I swear with, to fucking God. Devers, it's... Devers on Instagram with the, the eyeball emojis. What would be worse? The Red Sox signing Maldonado before the Yankees trade for Soto or after the Yankees trade for Soto? I'm going to say if they happen like within an hour of each other in the which next way is, Yeah, which hours. way is worse? Because um, you have an argument for both of it. Because if it's before, it's like uh, the no, Yankees think, just to get to say, oh, that's fucking cute, Martin Maldonado. What's Soto? But then I, on the other I think end it's of a, it. I think it's immediately, yeah. immediately after, like as a follow-up. Like – Cause then it'll be um, what's what was it? Uh, I think what, I, agree with I forget it. what the context was. It was like Stanton or when we signed JD. Oh, the uh, the rivalry, the fire rivalry emojis. with the yes, with oh. the fire. But I I was already thinking about that earlier today. Like I have that in the back pocket for for when we signed Maldonado. Like within an hour or two of the Soto announcement. Bottom one worst Red Sox tweet of all time. I, I will say whoever was running in the, the account uh, that window between like seventeen and twenty, especially with like when, when we reset the luxury tax. And it was so like, that one was know, hilarious. You know. I was furious at the time, but in hindsight, that's awesome. <laughs> in, in hindsight, both of them are very funny. If you know, um, you know. In the yeah, fucking, the fucking the, button yeah. button push, um, that was just madness. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but that rivalry tweet is, is both of them are all timers. I, I honestly can't think of like any other Red Sox social media posts that have really ever stood out as much as those two. Like those are, those are the masterpieces. The thing about that tweet, it was such a fucking Yankees 2023 ass tweet. Like the Yankees are about to fucking trade for Juan Soto. Probably the moment we stop recording tonight, knowing yes, knowing us, hundred percent. That um, pass on tweet will that, go out. Play Tessie got pot on Lansdowne uh, this week with the Verdugo trade. They stopped recording, sure and then the trade happened. I'm like, yeah, well, join the club, fellas. I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, in hindsight, if we had recorded Tuesday night, we would have gotten off right before the Verdugo news broke. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know. So yeah, we would have been in the, in the same boat, I suppose. Um, but the rivalry three fire emojis tweet. That's such a current Yankees tweet. They're going to trade for Soto now, who's this generational hitter, and they're just going to say Soto in the BX, and then it's the, the emoji with the air blowing out of its nose, like, <sighs> like you know what I mean? That That's that's all it's going to be. Like If you're a social media manager, you're not, you're not like doing like air horn video edits, like TikTok, Zoomer I think they should, attention they, they span. They should steal what, your, uh, your John Sterling call from earlier. That, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Will Susan. He blesses the rains down in the bleachers, sends that ball to Africa, Susan. <laughs> Speaking of announcers, before we go to break and before we toss it over to the Emily uh, interview, shout out Joe Castiglione, making it to the Hall okay. of Fame. Joe Castiglione, hearing from Cooperstown, New York, the Ford Frick Award winner for 2023. Can you believe it? <laughs> we, need to, we need to get Joe on the program. I'd love to get Joe on the program. Are you kidding me? That, that's come true. 
that's you could do be... your you could do your impression for him and everything. Um, yep. that would uh, you know that would that's all I ever need from this. You just give me like the B movie script and have to read it. <laughs> it's it's it all known it. laws of aviation. There is no way that a bee should be able to fly. <laughs> Can you believe it? So, no, just a quick shout out to Joe Casic Leon and um. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a cool ceremony, the induction ceremony you got to see with Ortiz. Um, I forget who won the Ford Frick Award that time, but it's a cool little thing. Like, hey, shout out to this guy. And with all the memories that um, that I've had listening to Joe Castiglione and then mixing into the, you know, all the years of experience he's had, Steve Buckley's article on The Athletic about Castiglione was fantastic. Um so congratulations to him. I just randomly thought of that because we were just talking about John Sterling. Anyways. 40 years. 40 years, Joe. Shout that's out. right. Can you believe it? So we're going to go to break. After the break, you're going to hear the Yankees' point of view on this Alex Verdugo trade. Emily Nyman joins us on the show once again to give her takes. But first, add time. All right, we are pleased to be joined once again, third time now, I believe, you joining Pod on Lansdowne, Emily. I think this is number three, which I think puts you in the lead for recurring guests of the program. I, I, I think. I have to double check that, though. Wow. Uh, you know, I am shocked and honestly honored that Alex Verdugo made this possible for me. Literally, <laughs> right? I can't believe yeah. it. Alex Verdugo. Who thought we'd be here? Folks, if you knew Emily Nyman, one of our good friends of the program, even though she is a Yankees fan, it's not every day, Emily, that we get a Red Sox-Yankees deal. This is only the eighth time since 1969 uh, that these two rivals have made a deal. So to honor the occasion and considering how big it is, we had to get you onto the program. Welcome back onto Pod on Lansdowne. It's good to have you back. Thank you. It is fantastic to be back. Fantastic. Of course, the big news, by the time you're listening to this now, we'll already have gone into the episode proper, you the listener. But just to set the scene here, of course, as you are well aware, Alex Verdugo, no longer a Boston Red Stocking. He is a New York Yankee as we record this now. I don't know if how long he will be a New York Yankee. We'll talk about that in, in a couple moments. But he has been traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees in exchange for, I'm looking it up here because I had to get their names off the top of my head. I didn't know them off the, off the dome. Richard Fitz, Dick Fitz, uh, Greg Weissert, and Nicholas Judas in the deal. Let's just get right to it, Emily. The history between Alex Verdugo with the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. A short history, only a couple years, but... As one article, I believe it was NewJersey.com, they qu- they called it checkered, a checkered history between Alex Verdugo and the Yankees. Of course, you have the incident in 21 where he gets into the spat with the fans, this, that, the other thing. With him now set to wear pinstripes in 24, you were the first person I thought of. What do you make of it? What do you think about Ver- Verdugo being added to the team? Is he going to take number 99 from Judge? What- what's going to happen? <laughs> Yeah, right. Judge will just like hold him, you know, like when really like bigger people like push the forehead of like someone who's smaller than them and they just like kind of swing their arms uselessly. <laughs> that would be him trying to take 99 from Judge. Judge would be like, sit yeah. down. But personally, I mean, I can't help but feel like the Yankees um, are really trying to test my fanhood personally with the team because they just seem to be trying to acquire every player that I absolutely hate. <laughs> First, it was Josh Donaldson. Like, God, why are you doing this to me? Which we spoke about that last, last time you were on. We spoke about that in depth, how much we can't stand Donaldson. But yes. Like, what? 
what have I done? What did I do to anger the baseball gods? And now Verdugo. But of course, he's a Yankee now. So as of today, I love Alex Verdugo. Always have. <laughs> I've always respected him a lot and always shown a lot of respect, super respect for him. I mean, I, I guess if he's going to be a fourth outfielder, because let's assume the Soto deal goes through as we know it or what's been rumored if they bring Grisham in, you assume he's a fourth outfielder. There could be worse fourth outfielders in the league than Verdugo, who was a starting player for four years on our rival. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm curious to I was curious to hear that sort of a take. What do you think of the player itself? Because from the other end, from the Boston end, for the last couple months with the poor guy, it just seemed like it was writing on the wall that he was not going to be here in 24. You know, with the expiring deal after this upcoming season. With mixed with how his second half of the season went, he only ended up, I think, with exactly a 100 OPS plus after a great start. He had a great start to you know first month or two of 23. Just couldn't put it together. He was dealing with some stuff off the field, family stuff, but it, it just it didn't go according to plan towards the end of the year. So entering this off season from our end, and I'm sure I'll be repeating this point when we actually do the episode proper, is that the writing did seem to be on the wall. Um, so to hear that on the other end, having, knowing that you've seen Verdugo in a Red Sox uniform, have some pretty big moments. I mean, he was part of that 21 wildcard game to, to knock around the Yankees a bit. Again, obviously that situation in July of 21, I, I guess if he were, if he were a full-time player for the team, or even if he is a, you know, fourth outfielder for the Yankees, the expectations you would have with him Offense kind of sliding a little bit over the last couple of years for him, but playing at Yankee Stadium with the short porch in right field, I guess, are you just kind of, you know, seeing what happens on the one year, considering that he could be a free agent afterwards? What are you feeling there in terms of your expectation? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Yankees had so, so many holes last year, and they had so many issues last year that weren't just going to be fixed by, up. Oh, bad luck, let's try again next year. I kind of, and I'm and I'm stealing this from a, a good friend, Max Greenfield. Uh, I kind of like that it seems like the Yankees are doing a, just try to get good and decent players and we'll figure out the rest later. Like, we'll figure out where everyone will fit. Maybe we can flip some of these guys, maybe not. Like, I, I can't, I can't be mad at it. I don't have, I don't know what the plan is. I, I'm happy that they're just doing something because I was worried that it was going to be a, well, we kind of had a lot of bad luck because, they did to some degree last year in terms of catastrophic injuries and and bad down years from certain players. Like, but still, that roster wasn't getting any younger. They needed to bring in some new blood. And I mean, now Ellsbury wasn't hated the same way that Verdugo <laughs> is hated by Yankee fans. And obviously, like Ellsbury just doesn't have that like kind of sleazy scumbag side of him that like when he's your guy you love it with Verdugo but when he's not your guy you absolutely hate it 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 comes in ebbs and tides when, right. when he's on your team, with Johnny Damon like <laughs> but this isn't this isn't uncharted territory in terms of like a player coming from the Red Sox and in, in the case of Ellsbury and Damon it was you hated him because of how much they would fucking motherfuck us on the field <laughs> now it's like this guy did it a little bit like you said but Yankee fans they will hate you They'll hate you when you're on the Red Sox. They'll love you when you're on the Yankees. They will hate you when you're on the Yankees too, if you don't play well. But I think that it's just, it's exciting to shake up this roster. 
this roster has been kind of the same with a few guys here or there bringing in your Billy McKinney's and what have you that come in for a year and then bounce. Like, so I'm happy to have someone that's like more of a name, even if he is a, you know, 100 way to runs created kind of player, an average player. Like I just, I like the, I like, I just like it. I like the mix up. I just like it. Are there any questions that you have for me as a Red Sox fan about the Alex Verdugo experience? I would be more than happy to help. Um, yeah, like, how do you think his whole vibe will play in the Bronx? You know, because he's kind of got like that. I feel like in Boston now, forgive me, but I feel like in Boston, it's like his like super kind of white guy <laughs> with like his grill and like his chains. And hey, I like that kind of thing. I think that vibe is cool. Like, But how do you think that's going to translate to the Bronx? Because he won't be able to, they won't lean into that same side of him. So like, what's his deal going to be, do you think? It could be a whole Jekyll and Hyde thing with Verdugo, just, just based off the fact that the beard has to go. I mean, he's had a totally different person. He's had that Brillo pad beard for the last couple of years. You know <laughs> what I mean? And, you know, if, if that's if that's his thing, then, you know, via con Dios, I, I guess, Doogie, you know what I mean? Do, do what you need to do. It's I, I mean, I don't know if you saw the pictures going around last that we're recording this Wednesday night. So the night that that trade happened Tuesday that like was it like a chat GDP like like yeah. AI generated Doogie without a beard? He looked it like Fred horrible. Durst. <laughs> that is, he looks exactly <laughs> like Fred Durst. You know? <laughs> That's what I thought. It's horrifying. So I think maybe like once the beard goes, maybe there's like because listen, the whole thing with Doogie, it's you know there it was a poorly kept secret that you know some people had some issues with potentially his maturity. You know, you know being punctual, being on time. That's not even a secret. Cora was very you know forward with that situation this past year. So in terms of handling the Bronx situation, with New York obviously being a bigger city, but still cut from that Northeast United States sort of cloth, you know, you talk New York, Boston, Philly has the same sort of an attitude, you know what I mean? Rough around the edges. Doogie's character, from what I've gathered the last couple of years watching him, is that it will go so well in terms of his personality in the locker room and whatnot. Until it doesn't, until it, it will, if he hit like a bit of a patch, if he has like one little incident, it's not going to be, you know, the happy, happy, joy, joy, Alex for Dugo. Now, when things were on with Doogie, he was very fun to play. He got better defensively towards the end of his Red Sox tenure, had a great defensive year this year. Um, and then he'll have, you know, a couple weeks at a time where he's a doubles machine. He still ended up with like... I think like over 30 doubles this year, but just because like his first half, he had, he had some ridiculous numbers. So w- when he's playing well, it's great, but it, it's not it's not necessarily a situation of I'm trying to find the way to word this. I'm trying to find the correct way. When things aren't going as well, it's you can kind of tell it, it's kind of on, on the right. surface there and you'll, you'll start to sense a bit of a vibe. Um I, feel I wish like he's like well. Alex Manoa-ish in that way. That it's like, oh, he's super edgy. But then when things aren't going well, it's like he's just looks like a fucking baby. Not as douchey as Manoa. Thank Definitely God. not as douchey, but it's still a little bit of a like again, it, it's been a couple years of like, dude, you're you're now like one of the more tenured players on the team just by virtue of you being here since the Mookie <laughs> trade. You know what I mean? You can't be coming out, you know, showing up late for work. Um, you know, can't be shown up to the to the park late. 
And, you know, he'll say the right things when he gets benched. Like, you know, like, I, I understand why I'm benched, you know, for showing up late. Not that it <clears> happens <throat> all the time, but the situations that it did. I guess he did say the right things. Um, I would just tread a little lightly in terms of that. Again, when things are going well, it's like, damn, like, th- this is a this is a legit dude. He's playing good defense, um, can swing a good bat. Oh, by the way, get get ready for the worst space running you've ever seen in your entire life. He's with, a... With- with him or Juan Soto, because I feel like we're now bringing the two worst base runners in the league <laughs> at, to the Yankees. Right, at least Juan Soto is going to be able to post like a, a, a 900 plus OPS for you there. That's but true. Verdugo has made just some of the dumbest base running mistakes I've ever seen watching baseball. And I've watched it however many years at this point on a team that exceptionally is bad at running the bases. He rose abru- above, you know, that cream to the cr- <laughs> cream rising to the top. Whatever the fucking saying is, it was really bad. This is the point. It was really bad base running. I mean, I'm I'm ready for it. I, I think that not that I'm not that the Yankees, not that I'm like the Yankees need some more horrible base running in their repertoire, but like they need kind of a spark like that. They need someone who's kind of like a firecracker. You know what I mean? And like, he is a firecracker. I would and say that. Firecrackers can be great. They can also be horrible. Like they things can go <laughs> horribly wrong with firecrackers. So I feel like that's the kind of thing the Yankees need a little bit. And also it'll be easy to blame things. Cuz you know how <laughs> everyone loves to blame when they're not winning well, then all of a sudden, oh, the clubhouse is fucked up. This is not right. The vibe even though we don't have any reason to actually say any of that or believe it cuz the Yankees do run a pretty tight ship. But I feel like he's going to be the perfect person to blame. So if things start going <laughs> wrong, it's going to be because Verdugo's vibe is not right and he's causing problems in the clubhouse. And I like that because I kind of – I hate him already. So it'll be easy for me to be like, eh, you know what? <laughs> I can't lose. <laughs> I can't lose. And it's so hard for me. I'll go online. I'll be on Twitter and I'll see people's opinions every year and I'm like, Emily, do not engage, but I have no self-control, so I can't help it. But with Verdugo, I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to let these rumors fly. Even though we have no way to prove this, I'm just going to let it go that he's the cancer on the team. It's <laughs> their first three-game streak of, lo- of losses this year. I'm just going to let it go. I will say, not to t- I'm not totally trying to bash on Doogie here, because on the flip <laughs> side of it, playing in a big, obviously, you know, the biggest of markets, New York, with the Yankees, you know, the, the history and, you know, the legacy, all that bullshit blah 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 go on yeah <laughs> right no no, no, no just keep going Fitz. um he does he is a guy who can rise to the occasion in in a big moment um it doesn't even have to be a home run he, you know he's had his fair share of clutch home runs but even if it's you know just a slap single up the middle to drive you know two guys in he, he can stand and deliver in those big moments and I don't think the pressure on the field of even if it's a you know big market, big stage, I don't think that would totally phase him. So that's the other side of it. You know what I mean? Again, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's 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 you know it's kind of like oh boy, like you know <laughs> strap in for this one. So even that's if you get been to see a lot of the sides, Yankees, to be honest, yeah, that's been yeah. like the Yankees lineup for the last few years. It's like the heart of our order, with the exception of Judge, has been like when he's good, he's amazing, but when he's bad, holy shit, it's the worst baseball we've ever seen. <laughs> so it's nothing I'm not used to, I suppose. And you get and you get you get it for the one year, unless you for whatever reason decide, oh, you know what, we need to extend, we need to extend Alex for Dugo. Right, um, Brian Cashman gets hit in the head with a two by four and just has fucking CTE <laughs> and it's like, you know what? I'm signing Doogie to a long term deal. Fuck the analytics and signing Doogie. <laughs> I mean, and then again, this could all be a moot point because I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think there have been reports saying he's not going to be involved in a deal for Juan Soto, but 
hey, who knows who knows anything, right? I mean, John Heyman a year ago said Arson Judge was going to go to the Giants. So who knows what, what anyone knows exactly. So it could and, be a moot point. And apparently uh, a few reputable sources like Brian, I'm not trying to imply that I have secret sources. It's just <laughs> too many big names on Twitter for me to list right now. So you guys get the gist. But a bunch of them have been saying that the thing holding up like this, the Soto trade right now is just medicals and like the Padres reviewing medicals. So even in the event they don't like what they see for somebody, Doogie could end up filling that, that hole. You don't know. Like, he could even be brought in for something like that. I, I love the idea of that being of him just being like some pawn right now and him just being like, I'm only in, I hope they make him shave his beard and then they trade him. Is that, <laughs> that, is that really just mean? as a fuck you to him. Like yes. <laughs> press no, conference, take the grill out, even though I love that kind of thing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> just completely strip this man of his personality and then be like, you're traded actually right after the press conference. You're going back flipped. to Cali. Um, <laughs> I, I can't. I, I saw your tweet earlier today saying like you don't give a shit about 2025 when it comes to the Yankees because of the primes of Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge. So I can't imagine you're too heartbroken about again about any of these pitchers being traded to Boston. No, even if one of them's named Dick Fitz, like you know. I know, I know that one is tough. That is tough pill to swallow. <laughs> um, probably could have used a better metaphor for that considering. But I also am sad to see Greg Weiser go just for the only reason that. He is from Bayshore, New York, which is the area that I grew up in. I grew up in Iceland, which is right next to Bayshore. Um, and not many big leaguers come from this area of Long Island. Like, it's just not really a hotbed for baseball. So when he got promoted on the Yankees and he made his big league debut and he made a few and he contributed to the team, I'm happy to see his career continue, even if it is in Boston. But I am sad to see him go just because he's a hometown boy and we don't get that many of those around here. Someone posted his like some some highlights from him on Pitching Ninja, and mm-hmm. it got me a bit excited. So I was like, you know, I'm already talking myself into this Greg oh, Wizard yeah. guy. <laughs> he's, got, he's got good stuff. He does. I mean, he can't. He listen. You know how it is with relievers. Because even Michael King, Michael King is amazing, and I'm sad to see him go to the to San Diego, but not enough for them to not do the deal. But Vermont, even, you know, so, yeah. believers, they have some clunkers, but he was mostly solid, Weissert. So I think you guys got a good pickup, and I can't wait uh, for the series where he fucking shoves up the Yankees' ass a few times. It's going to happen. I just know it. Well, Doogie's probably going to shove it up our ass at some point because, again, if, he's not, <laughs> if, if you get him on the good swing of the firecracker pendulum and we're coming to Yankee Stadium, we're screwed. Um, Jeez, God, I need that in my life. Last question for it, just because this has been a big topic for us and – just considering the discourse the last couple of days, I'm curious your thoughts on it. Your percentage, 0 to 100, your confidence that the Yankees are going to sign Yamamoto, please say negative 400%. Please, 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 <laughs> please, 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 please. Cause we you know, I Yamamoto. can't believe you said that because I was thinking negative 400%, but then I recently, and maybe it's the Juan Soto deal that's kind of got me a little gassed up in the head. Oh, but man. I'm feeling like... 99.999% chance. Soto Which would, obviously means it's not going to happen and they're probably nowhere close. So. Soto would, of course, piss me off, but it'd be like, okay, all right. And, you know, the, the, it's not exactly murderer's row from top to bottom. It's a pretty, you know, couple pretty good hitters there, but, you know, there's still some question marks. Right. If it's that and then Yamamoto, I'll be like, oh, fucking. Oh, my hey. God. Like, you know what we'll I mean? Be we're back. Gonna, the, we're going to. Evil we're, Empire is so close. We are like Jedi 
Return of the Jedi close to coming back, Evil Empire. Like, we got a portion of the skeleton of the Death Star kind of made. Like, it's still got a long way to go, but we're we're almost back. Like, we're putting the, the, the Death Star blows up in that one, too. So, they, it's, it doubles up. Spoiler alert. I know. It's enough we- time, right? Yeah, someone's still working on the uh, original trilogy. My apologies. <laughs> Um, it's the least best of the three original ones at the very least. So. Oh, by far. I couldn't agree more. It Empire, is. New Hope, and then Return of the Jedi are the top three. Yes, I even think Revenge of the Sith is better than Return of the Jedi, to be honest. Yeah, I just mean, that's just, that's, uh, that's part of the, you know, the, the revival of the prequel trilogy, everyone being on board with that. I, I could... I, I would still say Return of the Jedi is better, but, you know, th- three is the, the one, like all right prequel movie i will say one and two yes. are straight garbage anyways so i still love you, yeah exactly yeah, yeah they saying. have a soft spot <laughs> in the heart uh for yes. people who want to hear more from me emily if for whatever reason if they're on a red sox podcast and they want to listen to a yankees <laughs> podcast or just general shenanigans where can they find you and where can they listen you can find me on twitter or x or whatever at and she does it um and breaking balls we've been on a little bit of a hiatus but feeling creative lately the soto trades got me feeling good so hopefully we'll have some episodes in the next coming weeks if there's and you can and- find that at breakballs pod or any platform you can listen to we have 120 episodes if you want to listen to it and give us a shot see if it's something you'd like and if there's any other red sox yankees trade we'll talk to you at that point and if not well then we'll just have you back on for the divisional previews like we always do emily nyman everyone again thank you very much for your time we appreciate it thank you All right, we want to say thank you to Emily Nyman, as always, for joining the program. One of the few Yankee fans that we can actually stomach. That's why we have her on. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can follow us. We're at Pod on Lansdowne. I'm at Fitzimo Pena. That's Liam Fennessy underscore and Jake, who is MIA today, at Jake Wallinger. If you got a question for the show, you can give us a voicemail call. 617-420-2431. Again, 617-420-2431. 2431. Liam, question for you to continue with this topic because this is the topic du jour as it stands right now as we're recording. Let's hear it. Who's playing right field for the 2024 Boston Red Sox? As of right now? What if you were like Galaxy Brain? I'll tell you who. Alex Verdugo. They trade for him back. They get him right back. <laughs> he, comes, he comes back. He goes to San Diego in the Soto deal. And and then the Padres DFA and we pick him back up. There we have go. to clear some more money for them, even though they trade Soto. They still want to clear some money. So, hey, we'll eat that Fernando Tatis contract. And, you know, just to make some of the, you know, take a little bit more on your plane in the short term, send Verdugo back. How about that? That'll work. That works for <laughs> me. That makes sense to me. In all sense, I mean, I mean, I've heard a couple. I mean, people like the idea potentially of Lourdes Gurriel coming in free agency. That's your right-handed bat. People like Abreu potentially, William Abreu, uh, getting some more run in the outfield after you know some promising signs to end the twenty-three season. Does he get his chance in twenty-four? Uh, what say you, fantasy? Uh, as much as I would love Abreu getting every day at bats, I think. The problem at that point is your entire outfield is is left-handed heavy. So, like, if you go into the season with outside some of rough side or platooning, but that's still the point. Yeah, right it's like it's interrupt. like really, really the only right-handed outfielders you have right now are Rafaela and Ref Snyder. Otherwise, I mean, Yoshida's going to be in left every day. I'd imagine after what we saw from Duran, 
he's in center every day. So I don't think you can put another left-handed hitting outfielder every day out there and right. So, I mean, best case scenario, I, I think Guriel or Teoscar make the most sense as the team stands right now. Um, really, unless I'm totally blanking, like I can't think of any other right-handed hitting right fielders, at least uh, on like the trade market that have been discussed. Like, I feel like it's, it's really been those, those two outfielders, I think make the most sense. I'm sure there's a couple, but I, they just don't really come to mind right now. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I'd have to sit there and think about it. Who might be available for a trade right-handed corner outfielder. Um, but you know, if you got one tweeted at us, at because like, I, I know, I know there's been like, obviously we've talked about Solaire too, but like, that's not someone I'm plugging in to right field. It definitely not right field. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's I mean, like, may, like, for maybe me at least pl- I'm like, yeah, maybe you pull two of them in, in, in left, but even yeah. then, like Solaire's so bad defensively that I don't know if I would trust him out in left. It's like Fenway, you know. Yeah, I mean that—that's the thing with Solaire. It's like at, that's that's someone you're platooning in left with Yoshida, and and they're splitting at bats at DH. Like you're not right. really putting you're not putting him anywhere else. Um, so it, I mean, whoever it, comes into play right field, I mean. Do I think Duran could handle it just based on speed alone? Yes. I mean, you saw his jumps get better in center field last year already. Right. Um, so like, I don't think that's out of, after the injury then. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's out of the question. So then it's like, I don't know. Do you, do you bring but back then Duvall who do you to play it, center field? Right. Like, I mean, Duvall's still out there. There's a right-handed hitting bat. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the outfield is, is now very interesting. I feel like people are, uh, underestimating the potential return of Duval. Yeah, if we had gotten a full season from Duval, that's easy that's an easy 30 home run season. Yeah, but it's it's similar to I mean not to make the same comparison I made last week it's the Tyler Lockett fantasy experience. Like yeah, he ends up with 30 home runs, but that comes with probably 6 weeks out of the season where you want to put your head in an oven. It's like watching him hit. He is ebbs and flows left and right with him when he's on it's great but he does he does have his moments at the play where it's like this guy has never seen a baseball before in his entire life um and i, and I get that but i, I think the, uh, the defense is what i think makes yeah, up for it if it's like exactly if he's, if he's out there every day and playing good defense at the very least i can live with that um because it's like it, i would say he's I guess a, a rich man's JBJ, if that makes <laughs> sense. It's like, yeah, you'll get 30 home runs from him, but he'll be streaky as hell. Um, and the defense will be solid. I mean, he's like, I don't know. I, I, I can live with that. You, you, ha- you need another right-handed hitting bat in the lineup. And presumably it's going to be in the outfield. Yeah. So, I mean, you probably need two. like someone to platoon at DH potentially get some people off their feet and then someone that you could start in one of those corner outfield spots, presumably right, right field. Um, because I can't imagine Yoshida out in right. I, I understand that. God, I'm not, God, no, I'm not concerned with about those, his with those defense and lefts, but yeah, in right, not so much. Um, something, something intrigues me. You mentioned it. You mentioned his name. Something intrigues me with Teoscar Hernandez. I understand that he swings and misses a ton. But if you're confident enough that you could at least hold that relatively in check 
and not to use the adage of, oh, he could rake at Fenway. No, he literally could rake at Fenway. Like, if you saw his spray chart at Safeco, which is a canyon of a park, it's a pitcher's paradise, you could talk yourself into it with that defense as well, because he was solid defensively this year. And the arm is nasty. And the arm is nasty. I I could see it. Now, it could go totally south, and he could be so bad at, at the plate with, like, in terms of his swinging misses. I mean, he could – you could squint your eyes. I, I don't know what his strikeout rate off the top of my head was this year, but there's a world where, like, he legitimately could strike out – I'm not joking, like, 35% of the time, which is awful. You know, like, it's it, – there. that world does exist, but if you're confident enough that you can maybe mitigate that, I think he could do worse than Teoscar. I really do. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: like Teoscar was someone going into this off season, I, I just kind of had my eye on just based on the fact that, like, when he was in Toronto, he would come into Fenway every time and kill us. Regardless, <laughs> he was like he was like the new Rowdy Telez. Um <laughs> But I, I do think it's he's definitely someone. I mean, I'm pulling up his Savant page now. Chase percentage. 13 percentile with three per, third percentile. K, on, honestly, percentile, 13 percentile, 13th, 13th percentile. Those are all better than what I thought it was going to be 13th and whatnot. I was like, I would have said like fifth, you know what I mean? But so, I mean, I, he is absolutely, like you said, someone who might make me put a, a Steven Tyler in my mouth. <laughs> if I'm watching, if I'm watching, him every, if I'm watching him every day, but I like the upside. I like the upside on both sides of the ball. I think, uh, it, like especially offensively, I think it's comparable with Solaire. And you're getting much stronger defense out of him, and you can play him all around the outfield. Right. Um, and he doesn't. He does. So, you don't need him to offensively. You don't need him to be a you know a three or four hitter. You know what I mean. You don't right. need him to produce like that. You just need to. Get some depth into the lineup and get another righty in the lineup when alongside Story, hopefully coming back health, healthy for a full season, you can actually get some right-handed juice um, at a place that's very friendly to right-handed hitters. Um, I mean, the the barrels, the, the barrel, barrel 88th percentile, hard hit 90th percentile. See what I mean, like that, dude? That's tasty, I gotta say. His swing feels like it's built... For a Fenway, too? Oh, I mean, you know Solaire's what? the same he, deal, too, but... Don't, I mean, don't even mention the swing. He's perfect for the Red Sox. His base running run value, second percentile. Let's I go. Could, <laughs> I could see him in a Sox uni already. God, he, there's he no one... Made who, for Fenway. Taylor, he was made for Fenway. Taylor made for the Fens, Liam. <laughs> you right? Hit some nukes, play some solid defense... And run into some of the dumbest fucking outs that you've ever seen in your entire life. That's, you know, that's essentially made for each other. (laughs) Exactly. Right. A match made in heaven. Um, Guriel is interesting too. Just an all around, just sort of a, you know, steady Eddie sort of a guy. I I, I guess younger too. Isn't he 27 or 28? I don't know. I'll pull him up. How how old is he? Because Teoscar's 31. 31? Okay. Oh, Guriel's 30. I, I guess I, I always think of him as, as being younger because he's Yuli's younger brother. But Yes, true. Okay. That's COVID brain right there. I'm always off that, on people's... God, that really uh, is. It, it's, I'm always off by people's ages by two years. It's it just those two years just gone. You know, it just... Anyways. Yeah, that's the, uh, that, that, that's yeah, the I mean, aspect of the... the I mean, training. Guriel, yeah, it, the, I think the... 
the bat is 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 a step down from Hernandez or Soler, but the defense is steady. The base running is is obviously it's hard to get much worse than second um, percent. I mean, you could. Yeah, I mean, you could. Um, and no, he's forty nine percentile in base running sprint speed, forty first percentile. I, I'm not that that really is what we're looking for, but hey, the defense in the outfield looks good. Um, so I don't know. It's I, I think with Gurriel or Hernandez, you can't really. I, I can't. I can't say you're you're really losing either way. I think both. I, I either or make a good make sense uh, as a fit for or just stick Rafael. You just stick Rafaela out and right, and then you sign with Merrifield, and then you make me scream. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll say this right now. I don't think Rafael is on the opening day roster. I think he'll start really? the season in the woo. Oh, so, yeah, start okay. Start it down. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, hey, I thought you were uh, unless unless trade. some big trade goes down. Which hey could still happen. There's a lot of time. Uh, it's only December sixth, so don't tell that to Jake because Jake is like already saying it's over. I will say this, and and I know we like to make fun on Twitter. The off season is still so young, um, so I'm uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just strong. antsy as, I, I'm as just a breastfeeder. Uh, I'm I'm staying strong. <laughs> He's already starting to get a little bit of heat with with this Verdugo trade. I mean, not of that I expected any different. You and know what I mean? I, it certainly doesn't help that the Yankees are about to get Soto. I think all of that comes into play. Like, yeah. if the Yankees weren't weren't doing this, um, I don't know. I, so I, I, that's literally the only thing that's really happened so far is this Soto stuff. I said it to Emily, so you listening to this, I'm, I sound like a broken record, but I'll repeat it to you, Liam. Yankees getting Soto, if slash when that happens, it's going to be like, okay, that kind of sucks. Obviously, generational hitter playing for your, you know, most hated rival. That sucks. But, you know, that that's not the only issue with the team. I understand that they needed help in the outfield. But that that's not all they needed. And even the rest of the lineup, it's like, okay, like, it's, it's not exactly murderer's row from top to bottom. If they do that and also get Yamamoto, that's bad. That's real bad. I don't like that one bit. I don't like the idea. Yeah, that, that one-two punch. Um Folks, I'll see you in 2025. <laughs> when Soto's a free agent, and then we get him. Right? Yeah. yeah, that that would just that would drive me up a wall. No, I mean that's that that's a good point. I think um, Soto alone obviously hurts, um, especially as like we still have a ton of work to do this winter. But yeah, if 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 they then sign the free agent that could presumably be your number one target then then yeah who you said would be a major focus that didn't they go outward and say that like yeah then this is like a big focus for us yeah i think i think passing reported that where it's like is he's reportedly a quote-unquote top priority for the red Sox. well last time we had a top priority during the winter meetings or around the winter meetings he went to san diego he went out west and went to san diego uh yeah so yeah, I, I, I just I think if the offseason ends up being Ed and Giolito, um, Ed's homecoming, and, and that like uh, I I just I don't know I don't know how exciting. Uh, not even, that I'd say. I know, I mean, well, and I, I, I don't know I'm being I'm being dramatic here, but uh, and I and I I've seen people start to say it already though, where it's like if your only move is Montgomery this winter too, like that's not getting the casual fan excited. 
No, because um, the casual fan is not necessarily privy to Jordan Montgomery. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's not that's not a name that I'd love him here. I, I think he would. Yeah, I mean, he would sense. would be great. Um, I think he's a great fit, and I'd be excited about the move. But I think I don't know if you're trying to get people back into the ballpark. Not that they have an issue with that. It's like I mean, really, really at this point, it's about like TV ratings. Like if you want people to tune in every <laughs> night, um. Who's who? Who are you gonna go out and get? Where where the casual fan is suddenly, you know, locked in every night. Someone like on the trade market say. potentially, you know what I mean. And maybe with these prospects that they just got for Ferdugo, hopefully not Dickie Fitz being traded because I want to have fun with that. But maybe that maybe this is coping. Maybe this is just trying to bend over backwards to, I, I don't know, take, take it for however you want, but maybe that helps steepen the organization where they feel even more comfortable with mortgaging some of those prospects. Not that they shouldn't have been, you know, ready to do so already to improve the major league team by all accounts, from what we've heard from Breslow directly, that sounded like something that they were ready to do. Haven't done it yet, but it sounded like, you know, that was something that they, that they were looking at, looking to be more aggressive. Um, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. And again, I, I I keep saying this. I say this to my dad. I feel like he might be nervous that Breslow is just Bloom 2.0, to which I say maybe this is naive, but why would you change the course with Heim Bloom just to go for a guy who was Heim Bloom but also actually pitched on a major league roster? You know what I mean? If you weren't ready to change how aggressive you were, change your philosophy in terms of acquiring assets to improve the major league team, if that's not what you were wanting to do, then why change from Bloom in the first place? So with that in mind, I, I do think something's coming down the, the line for the Red Sox. It's been a kind of a quiet hot stove across the league. You said it. So I'm cautiously optimistic and enough that maybe something is cooking underneath that we just don't know about. I don't know. I will, I will say, I think, I think a, a huge part of it is, is the Otani stuff where it's like, well, one, he, he doesn't want the meetings getting out there. Shout out Dave Roberts. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but I mean, I think that has only added to what is already typically a slow, like first two months. Yeah. Um, yearly. We, like we've seen this every winter where it's like, the first month and a half, two months have kind of always been a slog in recent once, memory. Once the big one drops, it's right. Okay, like then it just kind of sets yeah. the rest of the market in place. So I don't know. I mean, hopefully, I mean, Morosi said Otani could make a decision by the end of the weekend, but I don't know. At the same time, like he's been reporting all this Soto stuff, and then people keep coming back, like, no, it's it's not a done deal. It's not finalized. Like, yeah. So. The the, the Roberts know. thing the, the Roberts thing of him saying like oh yeah we we spoke with Otani it's great and then the visual of his head of like the PR team gathering around him that, and, like reading that I don't know what what article this was from but I saw <laughs> someone post a screenshot of it where it was like yeah like he spoke like confidently and casually for like twenty <laughs> minutes and then um, like as soon as he stopped his like his face dropped reading a text and then he like got together with the PR people off to the side. Just the visual is amazing. Hey, it's a text from my friend, Joe, who works in the PR department. <laughs> wonder what Joe's up to. How you doing? Wait, wasn't Joe? it like, didn't Brandon Gomes say he was like surprised by Dave Roberts comments? 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. In, in Cespedes Family Barbecue on, on the Baseball Barbercast, they said it's never a good sign when someone as high up as Gomes says that they're quote unquote surprised by the comments of someone else as high up as Dave Roberts. So, oh man, that's funny. And that, and that Soto and Yamamoto to, to New York and then Otani to Toronto. I think I just might skip the 25 season altogether. I don't, I don't need that in my life. Oh, you're out on the next two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I meant to say 24, but you know what? At that point, 25 as well. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Jeez Louise. Yeah. It's uh I don't know. There's a lot of work to do. And for now, I'm going to try to be patient. I'll get my jokes off on Twitter. but Oh, yeah. Jokes never stop. One yeah, way or the, the other. Jo- the jokes won't stop. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's, there, there's still a lot of work to do. You, you have to figure out the outfields. Starting pitching still needs to be your priority. I don't really care about the outfield before that. But um, I mean, I care, but the big thing is the... Yeah, it was like we still need two two starting pitchers. We care a lot <laughs> before we can really kind of, you know, focus on being competitive in 24. Cause yeah. until that happens, you won't be I, like, I don't care if you had traded for Soto, like it, similar to the Yankees, that doesn't really change anything unless other parts of the team improve. Um, well, we knew the offense was good last year. Were they inconsistent a little bit? Yeah, sure. But they were still, you know, top half of the league, top 10 in most categories. So the offense isn't really, you know, concerning, nor is the bullpen. I like bullpen defense. Really, really. Well, the defense, yes, it has, <laughs> has been an issue for a few years. Again, there's no way they now. don't. There's no way they don't address that. They they, they have to. They, you have to be a baby, like, like an actual infant to not see that there's an issue with the defense there. So I, I'm confident enough that they'll they'll at least try to address that. I will say, I, I still don't envy Craig. Like, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. But you know what? Breastfeeders, we have to stay strong. I know. <laughs> I am starting to get a bit hungry, though. I'm kind of, you know, as Liam's coughing up a lung right now. Surprised you made it this far into the pod without uh, getting into a, uh, you know, you're yeah, your lady. First, first coughing fit. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, and I know... I know we we like to joke on this program that being being a baseball GM is, should be very easy, and we could do it. <laughs> um, as far as where the Red Sox currently stand, I would not wa- I would not want any part of that. Except to, to put the together, role. yeah, trying to trying to put this team together as it stands right now. Um, there's a lot of balls in the air, and I would feel very overwhelmed if I was Craig. So we shall see. We shall see. Is that it for the for any Red Sox talk? Is, is that all we got right now? I think that's all we got. Are we doing anything on December twenty third? I'll be back in Maryland again. You're gonna be, yeah, God, yeah, what, yeah. Spend Christmas with the quote unquote family. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Saturday, specifically at twelve thirty. Are you, are you doing anything? Well, I'll certainly be watching. Yeah, I'll have that's... to. I have to make sure I retain. Um, Custody over Jake. Uh, well, what the la- well the last time it was a draw between Arsenal, Arsenal and Liverpool. By the way, we're talking about a different sport now. If you don't want to hear about a little, a little footy, then uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. But yeah, I mean, I, I think we what well, we yeah we draw. That was the two two game at Anfield. Um, so custody of Jake is straight up 
for grabs. Like no one's defending the custody here. It's yeah. you know, it's been, it's been a push. So that and then, again, then there's the FA Cup game on January third. Fucking, kick. I would easily trade the Premier League game for the FA Cup. If, if we, <laughs> if the only fucking trophy that Arsenal wins this year is another goddamn FA Cup, I, I guess that, that's true. You have you have enough of them. <laughs> and not that I like. When we won our first one, I think it was in twenty. Well, not the first one. The the, the first time. Arsenal won an FA Cup with me watching. I think it was 13. I think it was that whole city game where they came back. Um, I was like, oh, this is great. Oh, my God. Like, Arsenal won a trophy. I haven't seen this yet. This is this is great. And then I think we won the next year. Like, oh, my God, FA Cup. Okay, how about the Premier League? Nothing. All right. How about the Champions League? Oh, we're just going to get bounced by Barcelona or Munich again. Like, we won the COVID FA Cup. That was Arteta's first piece of silverware. Okay, that's great. That's fine. Whatever. FA Cups don't move me anymore, man. Like it's, it, I get, I get the tradition of it, you know, in in British soccer. Like, I understand that it's important for a lot of Arsenal fans. It's not for me. It's who cares? I want a Premier League. I want a deep Champions League do. run. God. I want, a, I want another Premier League too. Quite honestly, I'll, you got one. I know. You got and a fucking Champions I I got, League. I, I've Screw got one you. of each in the last four years. God, kick but... fucking rocks, dude. I, I got multiples. I, I, I have, have multiples. A, I have a Europa League final <laughs> appearance, and we got spanked by Chelsea. That's all I got, man. You're God. basically you're basically in the same boat I was in going into seventeen eighteen. Right, right before like Salo really blew up. Yeah, or was that was like, like Salah's Salah's first year? Yeah, so. it was like we we had gone to the Europa League final with Klopp. We'd gone to the Carabao Cup final with Klopp. Yeah, no, we'd lost I, both. Don't care. Um, yeah, we lost the Carabao Cup yeah. too. I was like, oh, boohoo! It's less games on our <laughs> schedule. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we don't have to trot out you know Martinelli out there against you know some fucking farm team on a Wednesday when we have to go to Old Trafford on the week. You know what I mean? I don't care. I, I, I will. I will tell you this: if uh, if you wear those ugly yellow shirts on the twenty third, um. I will have some harsh words. <laughs> They're hideous, dude. They're <laughs> awful. And they score a late winner in them again. <laughs> deck, deck in the 98th minute or something like that. Let's go, so Deco. Stupid, my boy. There's magic in them. A buddy of mine who listens to the program, shout out C Dane. He was complaining about. Arsenal potentially getting some extra time on that Rice goal against Luton, and I'm like, I have endured this shit. Like Fergie time, the, even the shit this year, the officiating against Arsenal this year. I don't want to be one to complain about the officiating. Arsenal fans are insufferable about that. Oh, Liverpool but, fans are the worst. But it. trust me, I have seen more times than I can count some of the shit, the antics that have been pulled against Arsenal to the point where like the fucking like there have been multiple times, I think, in the last couple of years where like the referee, you know, I forget the name of the organization. They're like, yeah, we fucked up that call against Arsenal. Our bad. So I don't want to hear it that we got one extra minute to get to get a goal against Luton. It, it shouldn't have even been in that situation in the first place. Fucking David Raya. I mean, that was that was us with uh, Louis Diaz. Were you guys at Luton? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize it was such. Is a it Luton? Place I also was Luton. One of the two. I think it's Luton. It's Luton. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we needed a Louis Diaz extra time winner. Yeah, out there too. So apparently, it's a fortress. Who knew? Who'd you got? I know you won today. Who'd you play? Um, who the hell did we play? Oh, Sheffield. Oh, Blades. There you go. Yeah. Got Crystal Palace. Got Crystal Palace over the weekend. You're hosting United soon. Got three straight. Oh, well, that's an that's a Carabao Cup game against West Ham. That doesn't really fucking count. You, three of your next four games 
in the Premier League, or three of the five, I suppose. United at home, you play Arsenal at home, and then Newcastle at home on New Year's Day. So, Big month, big month. Those festive fixtures, man, they'll get you. I think if we can get a draw, I mean, we'll talk more about it as we get closer. we got to wrap this episode up. But if we can get a draw at Anfield, which is a fucking house of horrors for Arsenal, my God, that in the that in Old Trafford, it just sends shivers down my spine. I guess the Etienne yeah, too. United, United don't move me anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's in, been a long in time. Past. Um, the Etienne is, is tough too. Although fucking City lost today too. Um, yeah, Villa man, Unai, your boy. My boy. <laughs> Fucker! Oh God, we have we have them over the weekend. Good evening. Yeah, oh, do we, you really? That's we, we, we go to we go to Villa Park. So, um, well, watch out to play the villains. That'll be that a was, tough yeah, game. That was They're just that was Stevie G laying the groundwork for Unai. You go right to the very top, right to the very <laughs> top. <laughs> um, but uh, I think if we could take if we could split the points at Anfield, I think I would take that. I think I would I would, that's okay. I would take that if I were you. I mean, obviously it's Anfield, so I'm expecting a victory. But at the end, if it's a draw, I mean, that's like when we played City like a weekend ago. It was like I'll I'll take a draw here all day because one, we were at City, so yeah. But yeah, is what it is. And I was talking soccer to steal the PMT bit, so. <laughs> Tweet at a, tweet a soccer ball if you make it this far, and then tell us if you'd oh, rather yeah. Arsenal or Liverpool to win. You will be judged accordingly by one of us. It's true. Again, and it's, then, a couple, and it's a couple weekends from now. It's the Saturday before Christmas. We've got some time. So. The, 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 uh, the custody match will, will extend beyond just Jake to our beautiful listeners. Yeah, I mean, again, I will. Ch- you can have the FA Cup game if it means we can split these <laughs> points before Christmas. And then I just looked. We play you early February at the Emirates. Take all three wow, points there. Wow, it's that soon? Yeah, it's a quick turnaround. That sucks. I, I wish know, it were later in the season. I don't know. I don't know when we go to City, like when like the other big ones are. I don't know. I don't know when we go to Tottenham, um, because we have to go to. I think it's called Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'll still always call it White Hart Lane. We have to go there. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting push, but I'm excited to see how Arsenal lets me down this time. Long you way know. to go, man. Long. <laughs> I know it feels like once we're in the thick of like December, we're like we're in it but god it's yeah. still until like mid-may exactly so and then you know the european tournaments too hopefully arsenal can make a deep run there but that's besides the point they will disappoint me at some point if not, i am if, if not once then multiple times they'll disappoint me i have dreams of dublin in may that's where the europa league final is <laughs> is it at croke or is that the uh, the other one that the aviva uh, park i think it's i think called? i think it's at, i think it's at the aviva gotcha Croke's um, fucking massive. They should have it at Croke Park. Is it really? Then why the hell does the national team always play at the Aviva? I think maybe Croke's more like privy for like Gaelic football and hurling or something like that. Oh, yeah, a- that any Irish listeners sure. want to want to for t- sure t- a uh, hurling hurling ground? Yes, hurling is just kill the man with a stick. It's awesome. Hurling's sick. I I would I wish hurling was bigger. I went to the hurling thing at Fenway a couple of years ago. It was awesome. I think it was Galway. Dublin was there. I think County Tyrone. And I they forget. should do that every that year. I don't know when they... It was sick. It was awesome. They did it like back-to-back years in a row, right? Yeah, then... should should do it and, again. You know, that might have been a... Co- was that a COVID casualty? It might have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was definitely before COVID. 
I, I, I remember explicitly, whatever the date of the Nate Peterman five interception in one half game was, oh, that's when I went to uh, Fenway hurling. <laughs> that's a blast <laughs> from the past there. So, uh, all right. I think that's that's going to be it. I still got to edit this, this bad boy. So we appreciate you taking the time to listen with us. For another edition of Pot on Lansdowne. It was a big one. So hopefully we have even more news, some good news, to talk to you next time we hit that record button. But until then, for Jake, who's in Parts Unknown, for Liam, I'm Fitz. You've been you. We'll talk to you next time. Appreciate you as always. Go socks and obey your mother. Obey your mother. Nice and deep with the uh, with the cold yeah, voice okay. there. It's even, even deeper than usual. the great season, have fun, and knowing that better times are ahead for the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, there you mother!